0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege, to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant, to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all sin and burden that binds us. May this service be cursed as before. All the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, On the place of your arrest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadia into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Peace to you, beloved Church of God. And peace of God to all those who, for many reasons today, perhaps cannot be found here. But for the Sabbath, and for the honor of the Sabbath, they are able to be at their televisions right now. And God says, because you have honored the Sabbath and have called it your resting place, you are going to have joy in the Lord. And I will lift you up to the heights of the earth and allow you to eat of the inheritance of Jacob. I will read the place of Luke chapter 24, verse 44. And Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you, while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. I think that you remember this place. These were the final words of Christ before he was lifted up to heaven, before the eyes of his disciples his chosen disciples on the Mount Elion, And these final words of Christ, which became our foundation and our epigraph in the study of our word for 20 years now. And I look at this as, as it being even further, specifically this epigraph, and studying the Psalms of David, we hear how our pastor, Brother Arkadi reminds us that Christ, it was intended for him to suffer and to raise from the death on the third day, and the forgiveness of sins was intended to be for all the people beginning from Jerusalem. And all that was called to be fulfilled with Christ is called to be fulfilled with us, as with the Church as with those who are partakers of His body. And we know that partakers of the body of Christ are not everyone, but those that have the status of narrow gates, those that have, have entered into the narrow gates and have become the narrow gates. And that's why, you know, I've looked here that one time, Pastor specifically um, made an accent on the word that all things were intended to be fulfilled, must be fulfilled. He said, this was intended by God from, from long ago. <clears throat> intended, meaning predestined, God before the creation of the world, it was called to be fulfilled in exactness in a specific time and in a specific place. From this it follows that the category of people that are intended or meant by God for salvation before the creation of the world is God's chosen remnant which today waits for Him and searches for Him in the revelation of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and with the truth of the written Word. And for us to share with Christ all that was written about Him, it is necessary for us to receive the right to set aside the former way of life to be clothed into the new way of life, to set aside the former way of life of the old man growing corrupt According to this deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. And right now I am remembering, listening, and hearing this place of Scripture. As usual, Pastor had read it and I sat very closely and paid attention what he was saying, and all of a sudden, inside, I was shaken, I thought, "My God, I hear this place of scripture for many, many years. Every Friday, for a long time now we've been hearing this place of scripture. Is it going to be justification for me if I don't fulfill it? If I don't fulfill that which we are hearing right now, this command this commandment that we are hearing? If I don't collaborate with that which what with that which way, which I hear, or if I perhaps demonstrate some kind of laziness or neglect, will there be justification before God? Of course, there will not be you know I physically feel the pain, even when I just simply think that very soon there is going to be that day that hour when the Lord is going to take off, from many saints, this decaying body. It will clothe us into gladness and joy. Certain saints, those who have been victorious, and if this mercy might pass me, if I, right now, don't collaborate with it. That's why, again, I'm talking about my thoughts in this moment when I had thought about this place of Scripture, I, I decided I'm going to listen intently, not just to listen, but to also fulfill it. As we read that this is our mutual calling and commandment that continues to knock and to be uncovered for us from the series of many sermons of our pastor, Apostle Arkady in which we hear about three faithful commanding and foundational actions. I speak of this with joy, because not all have an Apostle who is living, but we do have one. And that's why these three faithful commandments to set aside, to renew and clothe. And I know we have covered each each verb individually, we've stopped to study Cloth. but pastor always highlights that we are called to look at them together, because we must every day set aside, and every day we must refuse something, to die to something, to not turn back, to take something off ourselves, so there is daily sanctification to which we are called to commit to renew every day, because God is renewed continually, and therefore we are called to be renewed continually. And this is a high price when a person is able to renew his thinking continually. Not too long ago, I was remembering about listening to the last sermon when our pastor had spoken, Brother Arkady, about our predestination in Christ Jesus, that we were created for good works. And what's interesting is that he has shown that in order to renew our thinking, there is a high price that must be paid. It's not just that I've renewed my thinking and I am now continually hearing correctly. There is a price that must be paid. And he said for the blood of Jesus Christ to be able to cleanse us from dead works, our heart, our Thoughts, of course, our words, that it is necessary for us to apply effort to continually ponder upon what is spiritual until this becomes our sweet state, our desired state. You remember this, and this is a price. This is a price to continually renew. This means that we must continue p- apply some kind of effort, diligence, until it becomes this sweet state, desired, good, our state, our thinking and our state. And of course, to be clothed, which we have been talking about, to clothe our bodies into the new man. Here, we demonstrate that we are continually looking upon the invisible, upon that which the Lord shows us in Christ Jesus. We call the inexistent as existent, and we consider ourselves dead to sin. And this is an important state. From these, as Pastor says, these three fateful actions, from this will depend our fate in the future. To set aside, to renew, and to clothe. This will determine if we will turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the form of a deposit, or in the form of a seed, or will we waste it, because of which our names would forever be blotted out of the book of life. For us to not have this decree upon us, we must know and remember that salvation is conditional. What does it mean that it is conditional? When pastor says that it is conditional, it means that it has certain conditions and not those conditions which we together want to select in order to be saved. Meaning I'm going to do something and in this way I'm going to be saved before God or before people. Not those conditions that people give us whom God has not sent or those who uh, select for themselves their own teachers, but those conditions spoken by God, which we hear from the lips of His messengers, from the lips of the Apostle, or from the lips of Prophets, who has the right to take the thoughts of God from the heart of God, because God, He is this thought, and these thoughts are found in the heart of the Heavenly Father. And to whom God declares to this prophet, He passes along these conditions for our salvation, so that salvation could be fulfilled in its fullness, completely. That's why for a span of many years now, we are looking at different Proverbs, events, and again, this is the language of God, this is how God speaks to us in allegories, Proverbs. So that the mind of a person, the intellect, does not understand. Because here we need our heart. And Pastor shows us the conditions, how to how the name of God, most high, with this name we can destroy the power of death in our bodies in the face of the old man, so that then we can cast him, overthrow him into hell, and in place of the power of death, in place of this power of decay, illness, we can build up the power of life and resurrection. We wait for this. And I just want to say that God, as the Lord and ruler of His word, will absolutely immediately fulfill all of that which He has spoken, all of that which He has promised, and He will deliver us from the difficult slavery that we are in, because He is our deliverer. Today, I want to remember and remind us about this astonishing name of God, Deliverer. I think you've already understood, because you remember when Pastor had shown again who God is for us, as God, our Deliverer, this brought us to, to amazement, because every time we looked at a certain truth, when he began to show us something new, a new portion, a new name of God, lots of powers were revealed, lots of interesting uh, portions, the beauty that was shown to us, we witnessed. And no one had ever spoken or heard about this before, or read about it. In this revelation that we had heard, it was given exclusively to us. Right now i am not talking for so that you understand for us as for our church i am talking about for us this is all of those who has an ear to hear jesus often said he who has an ear let him hear this could be people on planet earth from different from the whole earth and whoever has an ear to hear this revelation which we hear which we are continuing to hear let him hear therefore i would like to read as pastor, provide a definition to the name of God, deliver. This brings me great rest, inner peace. And I think to you as well when you proclaim this. When I proclaim it, I say it so that all of heaven, earth, and hell can hear it. And of course, first and foremost, my essence. Because you all, and I do, have a heaven, earth, and hell in my essence. And they need to hear who God is for us as our deliverer. First, he is the leader of our covenant, the covenant which we receive, eternal, firm, immutable covenant that we receive. He is the redeemer from the captivity of sin and death. He is the savior of our body. He is the protector from the wrath of God, meaning from his own wrath he protects us because God's wrath burns on the earth old man that's why in the beginning we say that we need to set aside the former way of life to refuse this old way of life to reject him from us if we do not refuse or reject it because the soul of a person is tied to sin it is an uncrucified soul and it is very tied and if we do not refuse the old man reject him then anger anger may come upon us that's why we need to reject the old man so that the wrath does not come upon us, because he is a protector from his own wrath. He is a restorer of inheritance rights. We know this, that Jesus had left heaven, his throne, for us. He had his own wonderful por- uh, throne where he was lived with the Father. He came onto the earth, suffered, died, rose, and he had restored us to the rights of our inheritance. Deliver, He placed us as His hallow in safety, and He preserved our deposit until the appearance of Christ. And of course, I think that with this definition, there is evidence in Scripture that we had heard. And I would today like to pass along the revelation of our pastor in the format of a testimony. Perhaps I will not Read as closely, but I will read because it's important to read these difficult truths and passages, these riches. I want to say that this was a very uh, big sermon that ignited in me a lot of questions, and I think in you as well. That's why I always re listen. And the more I hear, I've noticed I can listen to one and the same sermon. I receive more and more. And more of this bread of life and i receive answers from one and the same sermon and this brings me to ah i realize that this is the living word because if this was the dead word you would have already gotten tired of listening to it once but you listen to it continually and you are glad joyful you are practically filled and satisfied with these truths And so, according to what results can we define that God is truly our Deliverer in the realization of our calling? Today, I will just take one thought or one sign from this sermon where we will see and where we will be affirmed once again that God is our Deliverer and that we have entered into His portion, into His inheritance. He has accepted us. Why is it necessary for us today to be affirmed, if you've paid attention, that uh, many have begun to talk a lot about how after this had happened for a certain amount of time, the event that had taken place, And we are affirming that word that we have previously heard. And you know what I've paid attention to? I've paid attention to the fact that many saints say, we have begun to understand certain truths, and this brings us joy. I also understood it this way, and this gave me joy up until a certain time. And then I begin to notice, I see these truths, but I don't see anything in myself. I want to see them a, a transformation in myself, and again, I want to return to that sermon that pastor is talking about about our predestination in Christ Jesus, that we have been created for good works, and he has said that it turns out affirmation isn't. Oh, we have understood the truth well. I've understood this truth. I have now understood how the teaching works. I am once again been affirmed in in who God is. How God is my strength, how God is my fortress, how God is my uh, fortress. When we say, I've been affirmed in this, and then all of a sudden, Pastor says something completely different. He says, what does affirmation come from? When Christ had said, you will not believe until you see. In other words, you will not believe until you are affirmed. And Pastor had said, Faith comes from hearing the Word, and affirmation comes from the fact that we see in ourselves the heard Word, and how it has transformed us. Not just I have understood the truth, but this Word that I have heard, which I have been able to hear through the ear that has been planted, I have seen it in myself, and it has transformed me. The truth has transformed me. It is the truth in action, as we heard. Therefore, we are affirmed not to know because knowledge, it is going to bring us to pride. Knowledge is never… and acknowledging the word or comprehending the word or becoming one with the word will allow us to see the fruit. And this fruit had to take up a certain price we had to pay. Therefore, the component by which we can define that God is our Deliverer is by knowing that our tent is in safety, and the ability to look after our house as not to sin. Job chapter five verses 17 through 24. "Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects, therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. His wound, he wounds, but his hands make whole. He shall deliver you in six troubles, yes, in seven no evil shall touch you. In famine he shall redeem you from death and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, and you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the earth you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you you shall know that your tent is in peace you shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss so this is the absolute full truth and this is the language of god with which god speaks therefore just to read it it is impossible to understand the knowledge that we can receive that our tent is safe and we can look after our house so as not to sin will come to us through chastening from the almighty or admonishment admonition, which will consist of a punishment of a kind which will either which we will either accept or reject. This should bring us to thought how can punishment from God we can either accept it or reject it. The admonition of the Almighty given to us by means of a special kind of punishment is called to save us in six troubles so that in the seventh trouble evil does not touch us. We must verify ourselves to check ourselves for the fact that God delivered us from the seven troubles that exist should be done according to the six signs below. So if we, and we see these six signs, if we have these six signs and we see them in ourselves, we are going to see them, we are already affirmed. Many of you see them as, as I had mentioned, as Pastor said, affirmation comes that we see that the word that we have heard has transformed us and according to these signs if we have them this tells us that god will save us in seven troubles during the time of the hunger god will deliver us from death at war god will deliver us from the hand of the sword third we will get the ability to hide it from the scourge of the tongue fourth we will not be afraid of de- devastation when they come We will laugh at the devastation and hunger, and we will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. So if we have these six signs, God will save us from seven troubles. It turns out, you know, that troubles are very frightening. A person thinks, a person thinks, what is this trouble? A very frightening trouble, which God already, according to his great mercy, has delivered certain saints. And this is a great mercy that we today hear this. He has delivered for the very reason that we have not rejected the punishment of the Almighty. God says to Job, blessed is the one whom he admonishes or chastened. Therefore, do not reject the punishment of the Almighty. And we'll find out the reason how we can have in the presence of these six available signs deliverance. The reason why we can have six available signs of deliverance will be the fact that we will have an alliance with field or the stones of the field. And the field animals will be with us in peace or the beasts of the earth will be with us in peace. You know, we want to right away in advance remember what pastor had talked about because sometimes you ask a person he says, "Remind me, remind me, remind me and I'll tell you." I if I remember this or not. I know that Pastor has already spoken this sermon perhaps me to at least first show you from from behind and then we will go in sequence according to the questions that pastor had presented this is a very interesting sermon this was in January January 3rd of 2020 you can hear it I want to say that the book of Job on its own, the book of Job is a coded book. It is a sealed book, hidden book from the ordinary intellect and mind. Not even just for the ordinary intellect or mind, but those people who think that they have a status of a high status of a, theolo- of a theologian. For them, all of the truth is closed off. All of the Bible is the thoughts of God, completely enclosed. It is sealed. No doctors of theology can uncover it. This is Logos, it is not Rema. And someone must unseal it for us. According to the great mercy, we have had it unsealed. God has given us each definition. He has shown it, uncovered it, the proverbs and allegories. Because as we heard, God uncovers this to His disciples. And from afar, I will uh, just talk about it briefly. We today want to look at the sign that we have this portion in us. The Lord is our deliverer. We have entered into this portion. And according to the sign that we have knowledge that our tent dwells in safety. And that we have the ability to ponder or watch our... Path, And pastor said that knowing that our tent is in peace is knowing that our body is going to be in safety. We will receive knowledge that our body is in safety. You might say right now, my body is ailing. There is a strong aggression of all kinds of viruses, stress on my body. My body is growing old what kind of knowledge are we referring to here when pastor spoke about knowledge that our body is going to be in safety he meant that we have received knowledge about how our body is going to be adopted we will receive the adoption of our body and this is going to be knowledge not in feelings but knowledge full firm knowledge and thanks to this we will have the ability to walk watch after a house our houses our emotions will mind and thanks to this we will have the opportunity to look after ourselves so that we do not sin we're going to rule we're going to control our emotions our will and so forth the reason is why we will have all this is hidden in the fact that we are going to have a union with the stones of the field and the beasts of the earth will be with us in peace this is also an allegory and it is talk it is telling us again I'm looking from I'm looking at it from uh, from afar or looking at it ahead I think many have looked uh, and, and remember what how pastor defined a union with stones of the field. God calls us all precious stones and this was laid as a foundation of His commandment so that we have a union, so that we have brotherly love with one another. And when we have this brotherly love, and love, when we have this union with the stones of the field and the beasts of the earth in us, we also must have this union, this brotherly love. The beasts of the earth will be with us in peace. The beasts of the earth are also our emotions, our will, our feelings, our thoughts. They are going to be in cooperation with us. These are also truths. This is a truth when all of a sudden you see that will does not does not dominate over emotions, but our emotions voluntarily submit to them. As we know that the Japheth had voluntarily dwelled in the tent of Shem all of them are brothers, they are inside. Therefore, inside we will also have this brotherly love, brotherly love on the outside, brotherly love on the inside. And thanks, to, it is thanks to these signs that we are going to have knowledge, knowledge that our body is adopted. And thanks to this, we are going to be able to rule over all of our essence, to be able to control our essence so as not to sin. And I will go through the questions because God said to Job, do not reject the punishment of the Almighty, do not reject it, the correction the punishment, because we might accept it or we might reject it. But here it talks about the power of the cross of Christ. With regard to this, there is a series of questions that arise, answering which will allow us to have the full knowledge, this faith, this information, and the most strongest weapon that you have is when you have information and we have information that our body it is going to be adopted this brings such comfort whatever happens you know that you have already received the adoption of your body thanks to which you have the capability and you can verify the ability to rule over all of your essence you hold all of it and this rulership comes because we have brotherly love. We are able to stoop down to one another's level. We have a union with the stones of the field, with the precious stones, with our brothers, sisters. We have this peace. We can uh, wait for one another. We do not slander one another. We do not pass along rumors. We are not hypocritical toward one another. We begin to rule and uh, rule over ourselves. And there is this union in us where we are able to control all of the spheres of our essence. They are involuntary dependence. Pastor had posed five questions, five questions which we will need to provide an answer to. And now we'll read the first question. What seven troubles will we get rid of Through admonition received from the Almighty through the punishment. If you remember, in six troubles, he will save us. In the seventh, evil will not come upon us. Only after, pastor said, only after we are able to define these seven troubles, we will receive the opportunity to understand the punishment that the Almighty will send us. Because first we need to define what these seven troubles are. Because only through admonition received from the Almighty in the format of a punishment that is understood and accepted by us in our heart, we will receive the opportunity to collaborate with God from the deliverance of the seven troubles. And God will receive the basis to free us from these seven troubles. In Scripture, the seven troubles which we must be rid of, You know, they are the subject of the hatred of God. God hates these seven troubles. And therefore, to collaborate with God in deliverance from the seven troubles, we need to despise them, just as God had despised them. Let me read this place Proverbs chapter 6 verses 16 through 19 and I am astonished when the Holy Spirit unites us how was pastor able to find this place we just had read about a job he says that in six troubles God will save you but in the seventh the evil will not come upon you and all of a sudden Solomon writes these are the six things that the Lord hates yes seven are an abomination to him a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. As always, we see that this is an allegory and a proverb. Here are seven a proud look. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. You know, today the whole world cries from these seven troubles. The whole world cries. They despise this. And not just the whole world but the whole religious world and the religious world not just cries they are not even in agreement with this they say well this is this is hell they they say no we don't have any hell in us if you have discovered this hell in you then oh well we don't have this kind of hell they say but the thing is that god tells job and us that in six troubles he will save us and in the seventh evil will not come upon us meaning it we will not endure any kind of evil. Because when there is someone that sows falsehood among the brethren, when this is sown, what happens? There is hatred. What is hatred? Hatred is murder. It is the murderer of our brother, and these people do not inherit the kingdom of God. That is why in six troubles he will save it, and in the seventh evil will not come upon us. Based on the meaning of this parable, for God to deliver us from the seven troubles that the wicked and lawless people carry, we will need to get rid of these troubles within our essence, the carriers of which are our uncrucified flesh, which is reigned by sin in the face of our old man. So it turns out that these seven troubles are found in our essence in the face of our uncrucified soul, behind which stands reigning sin in the face of the old man. In scripture, the number seven is an image of either the fullness of righteousness in Christ Jesus, made dependent on the truth of the word and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth of the heart, or the fullness of... Let's look at the number seven as an image of the fullness of righteousness. There are many, Pastor has shown before. In Scripture, in general, there are lots when we talk about the number seven, this is the fullness of righteousness. An Apostle John in Revelation 5, 6 says, We will first look at seven as the fullness of righteousness. It is also present in us. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. So this is seven, the fullness of righteousness. In this place of scripture, there is the whole reigning teaching of Christ present. Because when you look at uh, this, John says, the lamb stood, you will see the teaching of baptism. The lamb that was pierced, pierced on the northern side pierced is the doctrine of laying on of hands and he who has seven horns it is the doctrine of eternal judgment and seven eyes is the doctrine of resurrection from the dead this is the fullness of righteousness that is found in us let us look at the fullness of wickedness that is made dependent on reigning sin and trust in our own reasonable or rational capabilities. Apostle James also says, or excuse me, Apostle John, John in Revelation 12:3, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, the great fiery dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. We have now seen that seven is not just the fullness of righteousness, the fullness of Christ, but it is also the fullness of the beast. And you know that the seven evil spirits enter a person when he has not labored to fill himself with the truth of the reigning teaching. He has cleansed himself, perhaps sanctified somewhere, or when he was born again, a person uh, is cleansed, but he has not filled himself with the truth not just a person who fills himself by reading the word there is order that is necessary there's a foundation the truth of the reigning teaching and in this emptiness which he did not care to fill there were seven evil spirits that entered a conscience cleansed of dead works without bringing into it the fullness of the commanding teachings of christ is the worst thing a person can afford since such a state opens a free entrance into our nature of the seven most evil religious spirits of seduction When an evil spirit leaves an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. When he says, I will return to my house from which I came. When he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall also be with this wicked generation. Matthew twelve forty three through 45. Thus, seven troubles determine the internal fullness of the state of the uncrucified soul of a person doomed to death. At the same time, it should be noted that until we understand the essence of the disaster that live in us in seven troubles and we are not delivered from them, the seven troubles that are outside of us cannot be our enemies, but most likely they will be our allies. First, we must be delivered from this fullness of wickedness. We have seen that there exist seven troubles in us. This is the uncrucified soul, behind which stands the old man, and behind the old man stands all of hell. And all of this is inside of a person. And there exist seven troubles outside of us. These are carnal people, wicked, lawless, religious and the whole world that has fallen, the fallen angels, fallen demons, these are outside of us. Now that we know the essence of the seven troubles that determines the state of the uncrucified soul of a person who is dependent on his people, his father's house, and from the corrupting desires of his soul, let us turn to the second question. You know, Pastor did not grow deeper into the details of these Seven Troubles. Perhaps we want to talk about them more specifically, but I think that we heard this list of these Seven Characteristics, or Seven Troubles, as we had read. Each of us has discovered that we were met with these Troubles before they are very familiar to us. We were met with them in ourselves, and also in those surrounding us we cried from ourselves many times and from those that surround us this is a portrait of the old man reigning sin behind which as pastor says all of hell that brings to horror horror upon man himself but i want to say and myself be comforted and comfort you that we according to the great mercy have have put into prison this fullness of this wickedness. We will see a bit further how. And this is a second question. And let's talk about what kind of punishment is being sent to us for admonishment by the Almighty. What is this admonition? What kind of admonition? The punishment or admonition of the Almighty, which instructs us to rid the uncrucified nature of man, behind which is the power of the old man, the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim, is the truth about the collaboration of our cross with the power of the cross of Christ. This is the definition of the punishment of the Almighty, the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. Brother Akadi had noted here that admonition is called to come, through punishment that has been understood by us and accepted. We must accept it and we must understand it. We have accented uh, lots of times. Brother Dima had said we must learn these 12 signs of the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. Truly, this is the case. We must know them very well. We must understand them and to accept them and to see the difference, the cardinal difference. That is when we see the definition of the punishment of the Almighty that is expressed in the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. Let's read Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires, to save his life will lose it, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? In a very interesting following place of Scripture, we were shown an image in which the punishment of the almighty had uh, provided admonition we were talking about david and how he had to be rid of the seven troubles that were in his body david just like us had these seven troubles but how to be rid? how do we be rid of these seven troubles let's look at it in second samuel chapter 21 verses 1 through 9. there was a famine in the days of david for three years year after year And David inquired of the Lord. You know, always when David inquired of the Lord, the Lord heard him and he had answered him. But when Saul had inquired, God did not hear him, did not answer, not through Urim, not through Thummim, he did not hear him. And the Lord answered, it is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. David was an t- tested by the, by the famine. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and what shall I make atonement, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in israel for us so he said whatever you say you say i will do for you then they answered the king as for the man who consumed us and plotted against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of the israel let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us and we will hang them before the lord and gibeah of saul whom the lord chose we are talking about the collaboration of our cross with the cross of christ in the gibeah of saul whom the lord chose and the king said, "I will give them." But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rispah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul. So Saul also had Mephibosheth, the son from. Uh, from Rispa. There were two names in one family. And five sons of uh, Michael, the daughter of Saul. Here, Michael did not have children, and pastor said that this was the older daughter whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Meholothite. There was a mistranslation in this, so was not Michael, it was the no- uh, another one. And He delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell, all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. This is victory. Sometimes we want to cry, but here we have to rejoice. The Holy Spirit had shown an astonishing image in the face of our uncrucified soul. We see these were two sons of Saul and five of his grandchildren. They seems like we're so close. A Saul and David, we see all of this in our essence. We look at this all in, all in our essence. The power of death, it must be overthrown into the underworld, and it is written and all seven together were put to death, which we have talked about. They are put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. And we know what the barley harvest is. This is the door of our hope. This is the time in which our body must be adopted by the redemption of Christ. When the body of Christ, the earthly body is transformed into heavenly or when what is perishable turns into imperishability when mortal turns into mortality before the lord returns for his saints we need to right now today we're already many of you already know this and have done this you must bind bind these seven troubles this fullness of wickedness the uncrucified soul in yourself and hang it on the hill before the lord so that at the beginning of the barley feast before the beginning of the week God could fulfill His work and conclude it. If we don't do it today, if we don't bind or tie in ourselves, this means that God will not have the opportunity to overthrow the power of death. The power of death is found in this fullness of wickedness, the seven troubles, and we need to bind it, tie it up. Pastor very beautifully had written about this, and I couldn't take it out. When he had highlights this, He says, in this event, seven people from the tribe of Saul represent the seven troubles living in the human body. Considering that David was a successor of the kingdom of Saul, the punishment of the Almighty was directed to the kingdom of Saul, whose successor was David. And in order to save David from the seven troubles remaining in his kingdom from Saul, God instructed David with hunger, or rather, um, had provided admonition through hunger. And it says... He delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they all fell, all seven together, and they were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. This event says when and in what way our bodies will be delivered from the seven troubles that represent the power of death in our body, and in its place the power of life will be erected. So only when these seven troubles inside of us are going to be hung before the lord only then god will be able to fulfill his deliverance on the cross blessed is he who unders whom the lord corrects and therefore does not reject the punishment of the almighty do not reject the power of the cross of christ for we know that it causes wounds but it also binds them up we then see his law he according to his law died it says cursed is he who hangs on the tree He, according to the law, had risen. Same thing must happen with us. These seven troubles, they highlight this fullness of wickedness in our body in the face of the old man living in our body. How do we hang him in ourselves? After we came to power over our perishable body, we became the successors of the kingdom over which our mind reigned over, behind which stood the power of the seven troubles. Now we reign over it. Now, we have begun to reign over our body, no longer our mind, our soul earlier, our mind reigned in our body and our corrupt desires, our lusts, unnecessary thoughts, which we wanted to be delivered from. Uh, Today, this no longer exists. Therefore, the Lord begins to provide admonition through punishment. We have come to power. And we need to be delivered from something in our body to tie up the old man. And I know that many saints often say, well, show this or tell us in practice. How do we in practice tie these seven troubles? In practice, this is when we give up all the members of our body over to the weapons of righteousness. When first, before, our tongue spoke words of unbelief, perhaps uh, words of unhappiness, lies but today it has become meek bridled this is a member of our body our eyes our ears our heart our feet all of our essence all of the members of our body must be given up to be a weapon of righteousness in this way we bind these seven troubles in the fullness of wickedness to collaborate with god in getting rid of the seven troubles that remained in our bodies after the death of saul whom we lost in the death of the lord jesus in the face of our souls we need to give these seven troubles over to the hands of our Gibeonites, who are members of our body given into the slavery of righteousness our tongue in the face of the Gibeonites given into the slavery of righteousness Confessing the faith of God, abiding in our hearts, and the adoption of our Gibeonites will give God the foundation to deliver us from the power of death in our body in order to build up the power of life. Because as we heard, the Gibeonites, they were those people that were not from the people of God. They were not from the people of Israel. They were from the remnants of the Amorites. They were will say from that which is in our body and we don't need to be rid of this because we have given our members over to being weapons of righteousness and our Gibeonites, what do they begin to do they begin to chop wood to carry water they begin to care for the purity of our temple we understand this that's why we need to abolish the authority of saul our mind and they as we heard there was a symbiosis. I think this is a word familiar to everyone. We've all heard about it. And Danika on Pastor had talked. Uh, Danika on Friday had talked, but we didn't have enough time to finish. And I just just want to remind once again, given the fact that right now we are talking about the Gibeonites, who they are in our essence, that these are the members of our body, which must be given up over to be weapons of righteousness, weapons of, of our body, members of righteousness. On Friday, if you remember, we talked about the building of ourselves into the Bronze Sea. And if you remember who had carried the water, the Gibeonites had carried the water. They had warmed up this water, they constantly changed it out, they carried the wood, they chopped it, and they uh, lit up the fire. And for these Gibeonites, there was a strong battle, because they were called to be destroyed. And you remember the story about how Gibeon uh, had Given themselves up as slaves to righteousness. And Joshua said, You will be forever servants, not of Israel, but the Lord God. They were not made servants of Israel, they were made servants and slaves of God. And it's very interesting that when there were the five Canaanite leaders, kings, they had found out that Gibeon had given themselves up to slaves. They all gathered and they went to go to war against Gibeon. And the Gibeonites cried out to Israel and said to Joshua, "If you don't come, we won't we won't remain." Again, just remembering this, I think interesting. Joshua, we've already talked about this uh, during our cell group. We had talked about this. Imagine all night, Joshua with his whole army. They went all night. They grew tired, and now coming into Gibeon. To the morning, the five Canaanite kings with the large armies, they went against Israel. And Pastor writes, this was one of the most decisive battles in the land of Canaan, in which God physically had partook partaken in this. Of course, uh, the warriors were tired and they wouldn't deal with this on their own, but God not before this day or after this day did not hear man in the face of Joshua that he had stopped the sun over Gibeon and the moon. The Lord Himself threw large stones from heaven and they died, many of them, from the hill. What did I want to say here? there was no day before or after in which the Lord would hear the voice a man for the Lord fought for Israel I want to say that here it is written that the Lord fought for Israel not for Gibeon you'll say well what had happened there was a symbiosis. Gibeon became Israel they became Israel that's why the Lord viewed them as the Gibeonites or the members of our body and at the level of Levites they were constantly in the temple the members of our body given over to being members of righteousness which we are doing today we can constantly be found in the presence of god already through our proclamations through that which we look at through that which we hear through that which we do that's why god cares very closely for the gibeonites and from them a lot had depended for When our tongue was not given over to being a member of righteousness, it did what it wanted, it spoke as it wanted, and it did whatever it pleased. And now we have begun to proclaim the faith of God. What do our Gibeonites preach, or rather proclaim today, or the members of our body, or what our tongue proclaims? Today we confess and proclaim that our body is adopted and that we have knowledge that our tent dwells safety, our body dwells in safety, and we have received adoption. Therefore, only through our tongue, which is the image of our body, we can be delivered from these seven troubles from this uncrucified soul. But we must do this right now. Whoever has done it, hold on to it and wait, because we are found before the beginning of the week and there is going to, before the beginning of the barley harvest, or the begin the harvest, the power of death is going to be, uh, to be overthrown in the face of the seven troubles. We must already bind them in ourselves today. This was the second question. Let's look at the third question. How do we check ourselves for six signs designed to serve as a witness of us getting rid of the seven troubles? And so, these six signs this is, are also like an allegory, although in the literal sense, we can see that during the time of hunger, God will deliver us from death. It happened so that when a person did not have what to eat, and he could eat of the spiritual food and not die. But right now, there is something different that is hidden in there. These six signs They are evidence and a testimony that God has already delivered us from these seven troubles in our body, or from the old man. And we have bound him by the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. We have not rejected the punishment of the Almighty. The punishment of the Almighty do not reject. We have not rejected this. And therefore, now, our tent dwells safely. We have knowledge that our body is safe. It is going to be adopted And that we have the capability to rule over our house, to rule over our emotion, our will, our thinking, our mind. And in this, our Gibeonites help us. They help us rule all the members of our essence. First sign, during famine, God will deliver us from death. We must see all of these in ourselves and be affirmed. As we mentioned, affirmation occurs from that which we hear. And that which we see inside, that the word that we have heard had transformed us. It is during this hunger that God will deliver us from death. Considering that this is a format of a parable, then we should right away mention that this is not talking about an ordinary physical famine, but the desire for hearing the word of the Lord. Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and from, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. In that day the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives they shall fall and never rise again. This was the decree of God. And the deliverance from death during hunger does not affect the wicked and lawless people, or in the environment of the chosen remnants of God. So, the wicked and the lawless, as Pastor had said here, they are not going to be delivered from death during hunger. They are going to die. Although they might be found amid the chosen remnants, they might be found somewhere. It's as if they hear or don't hear, but they shall not die. And the reason is, is that they are not going to understand. They will not want to understand. They won't hear. They won't see. And they won't understand what is happening. And Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. It's important to note. But they will not understand this because they have filled all the churches, and there were the churches as God's chosen remnant, and our church. There are no such people, but if they are, they are either going to change. I'm talking about the… we don't have wicked, I'm talking about lawless. I hope that this is what pastor says. Let's go further. Deliverance from death during hunger will be given to that category of people who can live in the devouring fire which they will perceive as the coolness of the day. For David did not die during hunger. Three years there was a hunger, a famine, year after year, and it says that he did not die. On the contrary, the category of people who are David, who is David? David is beloved by God. That's why we, together, Are beloved by God and God says beloved by God they shall not die amid this devouring fire of holiness when there is going to be this punishment they shall not die in the devouring fire let's read Isaiah 33 verses 14 through 16 the sinners and Zion are afraid fearfulness has seized the hypocrites who among us shall dwell in it with the devouring fire who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings today we know that it will be holiness we have this holiness we don't have this tolerance to sin we have holiness and the fear of the lord now we are talking about those people who can live among the devouring fire of holiness this is he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly He who despises the gain of oppressions, whose gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his ears from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. God is going to lift up his his Zion, and lift him up you know where, and at the rock at the rock that is higher than us, which we pray at before service. He will take us up to this promise, and from this position, He will give us the bread of life, this living revelation, and the water will not dry up. These people are going to be filled with the life of God. And if you have seen the sign in yourself, you have been affirmed. If you have seen that it is in you, that during, as we said, during the famine, God is going to deliver us from death furthermore in war god will deliver us from the hand of the sword i'm talking about the first sign we're called to see in the facts that right now we're not talking about spiritual we're talking we are talking about spiritual hunger when a person leaves church when he says i have not received anything i have not heard anything this means that he is not in a very good position he doesn't see that there is a kind of food, a kind of riches that are going, that are placed on our table, and we are called to accept and thank God that God has delivered us from death. On the second sign, it says God will deliver us from the hand of the sword in war. Again, we're not talking about literal war and not literal physical sword, but the spiritual sword, uh, spiritual war with wicked and lawless people who are in the midst of the chosen remnants of God. The swords of the wicked and lawless with which they resist of those that feared the Lord, both have swords. These are their own interpretations and prophecies that express their own desires, that which we have heard. These are dead works. They kill people. But we know that the swords of the saints will be stronger they're going to cover the mouth of the wicked look at how they will do that psalm 63 verses 8 through 9 david says my soul follows close behind you your right hand upholds me but those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth they shall fall by the sword they shall be a portion for jackals but the king shall rejoice in god everyone who swears by him shall glory but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped Psalm 63, verses 8 through 11. And we have been taught how to swear by the name of the living God. Because as soon as there is some kind of a thought, a rebelling thought that comes, or from the outside, someone is going against us. We're talking about cardinal people who begin to speak something against. We can say, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, this evil will not come upon me and let this not be with me. We are called to momentarily resist, at that very moment, resist it, and with the name of God. Take a look. David had said, Those who swear by Him shall glory. The Lord will will bring glory upon the person who will take the name of the living God and says, As the Lord lives, and blessed is my protector, let this evil not come upon me, or let this not be with me. Because this is war. It's a spiritual war and the Lord will deliver us by way of our resistance, so we must resist. Furthermore, third, we will receive the ability to hide from the scourge of the tongue. When considering the third sign signified in our ability to hide from the scourge of the tongue of our enemies, it is necessary to consider the format of speech that controls and excites the emotional element of feelings to deeds of injustice. The Lord will deliver us from the scourge of the tongue of this pride of these kind of people. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Proverbs 26, 3. And we know that the image of a horse is the image of our emotional sphere, which is excited and led by our tongue. So, emotions are ignited by our tongue, but we are going to have meek lips. That's why a whip for the horse, a bridle tongue for our emotions donkey is an image of our body humility we must humble our body and a rod for the fool's back we understand that for the foolish this rod is their pride their stiffness it is going to kill them from this it follows that the ability of those who fear God to hide from the scourge of the tongue of the wicked and lawless people comes at the expense of their wise tongue, which they guard themselves with. Proverbs 14, 3. If the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. So the wise lips of those who fear God are those who profess the faith of God abiding in their hearts. Those that are wise, they never... Talk. Uh, they proclaim the faith of God. They never talk about, or they never express their anger. Scripture says, "While angry, do not sin." Therefore, a meek lips is a punishment for our emotion. What kind of emotions? Our emotions that grow resentful. They have bitterness. Therefore, we need a meek tongue, so that they protect. They protect our horse or our emotions. That is re- written here. A whip for the horse. So, meek lips are going to protect our emotions. We might simultaneously forbid them, and we can simultaneously, with meekness, humble them and protect. And this is all talking about our tongue. If we have meek, wise lips, we will be able to rule. And if we have this, this means that we have seen the sign, this means that we have been affirmed. Because again, affirmation comes from that we see how the word that we have heard has transformed us. We have been redeemed. Furthermore, fourth, we will not be afraid of devastation when it comes. When considering the fourth sign indicated in our ability not to be afraid of devastation when it comes, we should consider shipwreck in faith. 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 through 19 this charge I commit to you son Timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you wage the good warfare having faith and a good conscience which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck but we will not grow fearful of this because we have this firm faith good conscience And when there this emptiness comes pastor head says how does shipwreck happen it comes through the words of unbelief it comes in the format of this kind of unbelief that's why we need to run away from these kind of proclamations when we speak words of unbelief both from ourselves from ourselves we must not say this i know that sometimes You say it and you say, I take my words back. The word that I had just spoken, I take it back. We've already been taught to do this. So we must run away so that there is no shipwreck in faith from ourselves and those people who try to destroy our faith. So we are called to become deaf when we hear, when someone is trying to say some kind of unbelief, oh, you won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that. You won't be able to come. You won't be able to build a wall. You won't become perfect. You won't be able to do this. And this might destroy our faith. There will be a shipwreck and faith. Same thing as idle words, which are not in our heart, they also can destroy our faith, and there will come shipwreck and faith. Fifth, we will laugh at devastation and hunger. Again, where this is talking or referring to Zion. When considering the fifth sign signified in our ability to laugh at devastation and hunger, we should understand our organized partaking to Jerusalem on high, so to Zion, where we have a collaboration with Zion. Or uh, rather, Second Kings chapter 19, verses 20 through 35. I won't read all of it. I'll just talk about the meeting hidden behind it. Here, when Isaiah, the son of Amos went to Hezekiah, he said the following words. Thus is the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Israel, Assyria, I have heard. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, laughed, at, laughed you to scorn. So when Isaiah, the son of Amos, spoke this word, we see this word, only then did this word step into power. Only then did the angels of God take this word, and they went to attack. Until we take the word and until we begin to speak, nothing will happen. So we need to proclaim the judgments of God over the wicked and the lawless, and in ourselves, both outside of ourselves. And so, if a person has not united with Zion, or if he is not a partaker of narrow gates, He is not these narrow gates, and when he tries to proclaim some kind of judgments, they're not going to work. If he's trying to condemn in himself this lawlessness or outside of him, he is not a partaker. It is not going to work in him. It's very important to proclaim the judgments of God, as we have seen here. And then God said, I will protect this city in order to save it for me and for David. God will then protect us. And the sixth sign that we must see is that we will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. I want to say, we are not talking about the beasts of the field. We have already... I will not answer the second questions, we have already answered them. But we will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. The beasts of the earth, this is not referring to the field beasts. There's a big difference. I've listened many times, and only then I began to understand. I couldn't understand it right away. I figured, I've listened to it so many times. How is this possible? But here it's talking about the beasts of the earth. pastor says, We must understand people that are clothed in the power and the authority which resist the truth and the teaching of Christ. So these are the beasts of the earth. They are inside of us, and they are outside of us. Take a look. The beasts of the earth. Let's read First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 31 through 34. Apostle Paul says, "I daily die. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die." These are the beasts in Ephesus. These were the Jews that had resisted Apostle Paul and his teaching which he had spoken, or the teaching of Christ, which he had preached about. They instructed on the law. But the beasts of the earth, Scripture says, Take a look. You must see this sign in in yourselves and be affirmed. We will not be fearful of the beasts of the earth. We are not afraid of those people that go against the teaching, that are clothed in authority, whether it be our parents who have authority and go against us, whether it be our husbands that have authority and go against the truth, we will not fear them. Whether it be people who are clothed in religious authority, they say, on what basis, and they try to say something, you're not going to... Be terrified of them because you have this sign but when it is said inside of the beasts of the earth this is referring to the corrupt lusts desires unnecessary thoughts that come we also will not fear them when a pastor looks at it he looks at it inside and outside he shows it inside us and outside of us and you know why we are going to have these six signs and we will not be fearful for the very reason that we are going to have a union with the st- stones of the field, in peace with the beasts of the field. There are f- beasts of the field. These are good relations of our emotional sphere and our volitional sphere, where our will. It does not press on our emotions, but our emotions voluntarily are dependent on it. Our will is dependent on our renewed mind, and our renewed mind is dependent on our innermost man. Our innermost man submits to the Holy Spirit, who is, speaks through the pa- pastor, the person quoting the power of the fatherhood of God. These fears of dependency mean and show that we are going to have peace with the beasts of the field, and we are going to have a union with the stones of the field, as it is written. I'm talking about brotherly love, brotherly love inside and brotherly love outside. So once again, if we see this sixth sign, that we are not going to be afraid of the beasts of the earth, we must see this, and this means that we have been affirmed. Why? Because affirmation comes from what we see, the word that we, how the word that we have heard transformed us. Before we were scared, when perhaps our parents or a husband began to say something against the truth, we grew sorrowful, but right now we are firm in truth. Before we were scared, when our emotions rose up against us, some kind of thoughts and lusts, but today we easily forbid them, we bind them, and we we withhold ourselves, restrain ourselves. We will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. As pastor said, practically the reason why we will be able to have these six available signs of deliverance will be that we will have an alliance with the field stones and the field animals will be with us in peace. Brotherly love outside and brotherly love inside. And the fourth question we have already provided an answer to. The fifth one we have all already answered, I Purposefully looked ahead so we don't get lost so that we can understand what kind of tent we are referring to Because the tent is our body and we are going to have knowledge that in our our body will be safe that our body Has received the adoption we receive knowledge that our body is going to be adopted adopted Now we are not afraid about what will happen to it because it has already received adoption we have knowledge because of the fact that we are able to rule over ourselves. And we right now are going to pray, and I want to just say that when God had spoken to Abraham and He turned to Abraham, He said, Abraham, I am your shield, your reward is very great. I am your God who has brought you out of the Ur of Chaldeans to give you the land in your possession, this body so that you can rule, so that you can receive knowledge that the body, it is now yours, and that you will receive this adoption. And Abraham had said to God, Lord, how will I know that I'm going to have dominion over this earth? How am I going to have that my tent will safely? How am I going to know that my body is in safety, and that it is going to be adopted? And God said to him, A contractual covenant. He says, "Bring to me a three-year-old heifer. So bring me your will and place it before me. Bring me the four-year-old lamb. This is our emotions, our feelings, and bring me a three-year ox, a three-year-old ox. This mind. These three animals. Bring them, cut them in half, and bring them before me." and my fire is going to go through them and will separate the substance of the soul from the substance of the spirit because this was the essence of Abraham. He had to receive the inheritance, receive knowledge and affirmation that his body will receive the adoption. He also knew about this promise just as Job had known about it. He also had understood this punishment and was admonished, admonished by God, that this separation was called to occur, so that our, car, our carnal capabilities or the capabilities of our soul could be made dependent on our new man. And today we have this, today we see this, and today we understand this based on the image of Abraham, the image of Job, where we have seen that God had admonished Job and had shown him how important it is. And you recall what state Job was in at that time, and God had said to him, you are going to have knowledge that your tent, your body is going to be in safety. Job said, on what basis? I am all leprous. I am sick. But Job, he did not He did not do this. He could have, but he did not. And Job had received the opportunity to control his whole essence, his emotion, his will, his mind. Fully he could uh, control himself. and had asked Ruvim from another sermon, or not even from a sermon, this is I want to share as a testimony that we all hearing from time to time, we listen to the archive. And listening to the archive of our pastor long ago when he was talking about the book of Job, there is a certain place, this is Job chapter 38, if we can uh, post it, it is in this moment when God had asked Job a question. He said, "Stand and gird yourself as a man. I will speak to you and ask you and you answer me." And when God began to ask question, pastor said all the questions that God had asked Job, Job began to see in himself. Can you imagine? It turns out what we are, have talked about, what is affirmation? Affirmation is and comes from when we see that the word that we have heard has transformed us. And God is speaking to him, and Job had seen this in himself. What did Job do? He says, I put a placed a finger on my lips. I will no longer speak. I have seen it all. Job had understood the parables very well, the allegories. And when God said to him, Have you ever in your life given a command to the morning? Or have you shown the dawn to know its place, so that it may take hold of the ends of the earth? and the wicked be shaken out of it, so that your... it takes on form like clay under a seal, and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and the appraised arm is broken. And Job listened, he said, of course, every morning I give this command to my morning, Because he said that exactly the same thing that we have said today. Because, look, we are proclaiming this before the beginning of service. We proclaim this continually when we are speaking, let the resurrection of Christ reign in my body. Or when Job said, but I know that my Redeemer lives, and He in the last day will restore my my body. And then with my eyes, I will see God. Not eyes of another, but my eyes will see Him. He had spoken this. And when he had talked about how have you pointed or commanded the morning since your days began that I can grasp the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth is our body that is found in the commandments of God, boundaries of the commandments. He says, Job, your body is in the boundaries of the commandments. And you have shaken the wicked, these seven troubles. This is what Job had seven and God This is what God said to Job, that you will deliver it of six troubles. Yes, the seventh one shall not come upon you. This fullness of wickedness, he says, you've already shaken it, for you have shown the morning since your days began its place and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and that your earth, your body, like clay under a seal and stand out like a garment, could be clothed in multicolored garment. Job became a clay in the hands of God. It takes on a form like clay under a seal and stands out like a multicolored garment. We know what a multicolored garment is, grace. Grace is reigned through righteousness. That's why Job was a righteous person, um, blameless, God-fearing, and God placed the seal. Job was quiet. He saw when he had said, Has the morning caused the dawn to know its place? Of course, he did this. He said, I have spoken judgment against these seven calamities, troubles that live in my body, and I know that I will be right. He had uh, created uh, this case against the old man that lived in his body, and of course, he won this case together with God. We have the same thing. We today have received... Kind of wonderful information, revelation that we hear about today. That's why I said we're very happy. And all of the saints who hear this word and who have continued to hear this word, this revelation is given to only those who have an ear to hear. That very soon, before the beginning of the week, this is before the harvest, barley harvest, our body is going to be rid from these seven troubles. Only in those Who have today uh, tied up the old man? Who have given the members of their body over to being servants of righteousness? They gave him up. They give up these Gibeonites to be servants, and now the Gibeonites can proclaim, protect, cleanse, and to speak of this. That's why we are able to see this. We are able to see the signs, be affirmed in them. And again, affirmation is not what we, we understand, but affirmation is when we see that the word that we have heard has transformed us. If this is in us, this means that we are now found uh, in waiting, in anticipation for what will happen very soon, that wonderful and important event in our life. Therefore, let us bow our heads and we will pray. dear heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we are grateful to you for this great privilege opportunity this wonderful portion to be found upon your holy place that your holy hand has outlined we thank you that this place is called your place and it is uh, fearful because here your fear is present your holiness is present and your trembling This is none other than the house of God. These are the gates of heaven. We thank you that each time coming upon this place, we are able to magnify the word of God in ourselves as well as in our surrounding spheres on this place because your word is magnified here. You have magnified it above all of your name. And thanks to this word, this great and mighty word you will give us the right to destroy the power of death in our body in the face of the old man so that with a sound he can be overthrown we thank you lord god for this greatness and the might of that revelation that we today again and again have heard and have affirmed having seen it in ourselves we thank you that you have given us our body as an inheritance you've adopted our body and we today have knowledge that our tent lives safely our body dwells in safety because we have the opportunity and the right the capability to control or to rule over ourselves thanks to which we have brotherly love between one another we can stoop down to one another forgive one another understand one another not slander about one another and not to pass along gossip. We thank you, Lord, that you teach us and you show us all of those spheres in our essence where there has been this wonderful dependence has occurred in us, where nothing can rule. These truths that are found in us, they are found in 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 great authenticity and we thank you for that great foundation that we have and that on this foundation we build our building we thank you heavenly father that we are able to be affirmed that you have said that our bliss is in us not refusing punishment and we have not refused it and we have accepted this we are in the right to reject it but we have not rejected it we thank you that we are able to collaborate our cross with the cross of christ and we thank you that through your cross we have been delivered from these seven troubles from the fullness of wickedness you have delivered us and we have seen this we have understood this we have today Found this power of death behind which stands the old man and reigning sin, all of hell. And we wait for that wonderful day, that coming, that week at the beginning of which you have said that according to your word, the power of death will be destroyed in our bodies, and that which is perishable will be clothed in imperishability, and that which is mortal will be clothed in immortality. We thank you for our fellowship. We thank you for those wonderful revelations that we receive through our pastor, through our father, through the prophet, to whom you have entrusted all of your thoughts, the thoughts of your heart. We thank you that he has passed along and will continue to pass along. And we ask you of his soon return upon this place so that we can again and again hear that word those revelations that you have prepared for us for your church for the church of the final days and we thank you we thank you immeasurably for your greatness and your might of those truths that we hear and that we continue to hear and may he be blessed and may we be blessed and may we be obedient before your countenance and those commandments so that we are able to fulfill them, so that we do not reject them, so that we can collaborate with these truths. We thank you, our God, our Almighty God, wonderful, and we bow down before you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and we will conclude with our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory and unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.